city of Berath, which belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. Years before Saul was attacked, this city had, years before Saul had attacked this city and tried to wipe, wipe out all of the Gibbonites. But many of them left the city of Berath and fled to Gittin. Beside Ishbosheth, no one else from the house of Saul had a right to the throne except Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both legs. He was five years old when news of the death of Saul and Jonathan in the valley of Jezreel came. His nurse had scooped up Mephibosheth in her arms and run from the house to get away and hide him. And she was running. She had dropped him and he broke both ankles. And so Mephibosheth is crippled. This morning my subject is Lodabar. Can you say that with me? Lodabar. Lodabar is a city of God located in the eastern part of Gilead, just south of the Sea of Galilee. It was a dismal place, a place of no pasture, no hope, just total desolation. The name Lodabar, Lo means no, the bar means word, therefore the name Lodabar means no word. The bar Yahweh. The bar means word. Yahweh means God. The bar Yahweh means word of God. And if I took a little license and said, Lo, the bar Yahweh, it would mean no word from God. Lodabar. Lodabar is a derogatory name denoting a lack of enlightenment or stupidity. I don't know how you feel about it, but where there is no word from God, there is no enlightenment. That is why I believe the Bible declares in 1 Peter 2.9 that God has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. The reason I want to preach about Lodabar today is that I believe some of us here today are spiritually crippled in Lodabar and we don't know it. Further, I believe that some of us here today are spiritually crippled in Lodabar and we know it, but we feel helpless to do anything about it. My prayer today is that God, by his grace and mercy, will deliver those of us that are spiritually crippled in Lodabar from our dreadful spiritual condition. But what concerns me even more today, what concerns me even more today is a third category. And that category is those of us who have become comfortable being crippled in spiritual Lodabar and we have no intentions of doing anything about it. 
If this is your condition this morning and you intend to stay in this condition, the only word I have for you this morning is may God have mercy upon you. I guess a good question for us to ask this morning is what does it mean to be crippled in spiritual Lodabar? Let me try to break this down. The Bible uses the term walk with God to describe our closeness or our relationship with God. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24 says that Enoch walked faithfully with God. And because of his relationship with God, God took him and he was no more. To be spiritually crippled in Lodabar is to have no walk or no relationship with God. To be spiritually crippled in Lodabar is to have no relationship with God and no affection for the word of God. In the 102nd verse, of the 119th chapter of the book of Psalms, King David declares, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Therefore, one of the consequences of being spiritually crippled in Lodabar is that we have no relationship, no real relationship with God, and there is no enlightenment from the word of God. Without relationship, and enlightenment from the word of God, we are confined to spiritual darkness. And the derivatives of spiritual darkness is depravity of the blessings that walking with God brings. And depravity of the blessings that the influence of the word of God brings upon us. What are the concern us today? is when we have no real relationship with God and our decisions are not influenced by the word of God, our decisions are based on our own reasoning and the rationalization for our own actions. I hope that you would agree with me today that this is a dangerous place to be. Let me show you what this looks like. People that are spiritually crippled in Lodabar get up in the morning, turn on the TV and the computer, and jump on their cell phones without spending some quality time with the one who woke them up this morning. They go through the entire day without digesting or reflecting on the Word of God. What I want to tell you today is when we live like that, we sup optimize the blessings and we compromise our divine destiny to be with the king of kings for all eternity let's pray father we know that we are before your throne today we are in the house of mercy and the house of prayer we are in the place, Lord, where deliverance is brought. And we've come to look at a condition, a dismal condition that some of us are in spiritually, spiritual Lodabah. And Father, we're asking today that you will unleash your Holy Spirit and bring deliverance in this house today. 
In the name of Jesus, amen. I hope you're praying with me this morning. Every once in a while, an elder like myself take on a subject that's probably a little bit bigger than me. And I hope that you pray me through it today. Perhaps the first thing I want to explore with you today is what happened that caused Mephibosheth to be crippled in Lodabar. See, I believe the Bible sometimes uses a physical ex situation or physical experience to highlight a spiritual condition. As a result, I believe that if we can understand what caused Mephibosheth to be crippled in Lodabar, it might help us to understand what is causing us to be spiritually crippled in spiritual Lodabar. Are you with me this morning? The first thing I want you to understand is that there are events, that there are events that happened generations before Mephibosheth was born that was responsible for Mephibosheth being crippled in Lodabar. I'm going to take a little license this morning and say that there are things that happened generations before us that is responsible or that are responsible for our situation, for our spiritual condition, which is to be crippled in spiritual Lodabar. The road that caused Mephibosheth to be crippled in Lodabar was complex and started with his people, the children of Israel. If you look with me in the first book of Sam, Samuel, first book of Samuel, chapter 8, verse 4 to 22. I'm not going to read it for you, but it's there. The Bible says that the children of Israel went to Samuel, and elders, the children of Israel and the elders went to Samuel and demanded of him a king. They said, give us a king. We want a king. And the issue with this is that they already had a king. They had a king who was the king of kings, but they wanted a king. They insisted on a king, and there's something about God that if we insist and have in our own way, he will allow us to have our own way because God is not a bully. He is not a tyrant. He wants the best for us, but if we insist on having our own way, he will allow us to. And so God said to Samuel, in fact, Samuel went crying to God. He says, God, I can't believe these people are asking for a king and they have you as king of kings. God says, listen, these folks are not rebelling. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. Just like they did down there at the bottom of Mount Sinai when they asked Aaron to erect for them a calf, a golden calf. Just like they have done throughout the entire wilderness experience and in Egypt when they would turn to these idols and worship them. But God says, you know, warn them. Tell them the consequences of having a king. And Samuel went down. He told them, listen, if you have a king, he's going to take your strong young men and he's going to put them in the army to run before his chariot. He's going to take the best of your land and confiscate it. He's going to tax you. And he went through the list 
And you know what they said? We already considered all of that. Just give us a king. Just give me what I want. Give us a king. Now, I got to tell you that I believe that there are some rational reasons why the children of Israel wanted a king. First Samuel was getting ready to die. And his two boys were two rascals. They weren't fit to be judges in Israel. And so they looked at that and they said, no, 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 we don't want them. The other thing is that they had 12 tribes and each tribe has a leader. And because these tribes having these leaders, they could not get together. They were, they were not as strong as if they had one leader. Perhaps the third thing is they wanted to be like all their neighbors. <laughs> their neighbors had a king, they wanted a king. And ironically, the thing that God is trying to do is to keep us from being like our neighbors. Are you with me this morning? What I want you to understand is that even though there are these logical reasons, I want you to understand that the God we serve does not operate in logical arguments or rational reasons. You understand me? So even when you're in a situation, whatever it may be, it's dire. And when you look at it rationally, it makes sense to do something other than the, what the Word of God says. God is looking for a people, have always been looking for a people who operate and faith and obedience to his word. My young friends, it's been my sad experience to see you come through cradle roll kindergarten, early teens. Are you all listening to me? The youth class. And when you get right around the youth class and you happen to be 14, no, 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 16, 17, it's been my experience that you then says, I want a new king. I want a new king. And you reject the king of kings and you begin looking at the world and you establish for yourself you replace the king that you grew up with with the king yourself it may be some boy some girl young boys in, 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 in school you are wanting to go to get a, a scholarship to go to, to go to some college you start playing basketball in sabbaths football and Sabbaths, what you are doing is saying, give me a king. And like the children of Israel, what you are doing is you are replacing the king of kings. And that's a sad condition. Rationally, sometimes it probably makes sense because there is no, you can't find any companions in the church. No man, no, no, no woman that fits the bill. And you start saying, hey, I got to go find somebody somewhere. But when you stray away from your relationship with God and from the word of God, 
you are establishing for yourself a king. And what I'm telling you here is that decisions made by the children of Israel generations before Mephibosheth impacted him, and I want you to see the connection. So his people demanded of God a king. And some of the things today that are besetting us, those sins that we keep praying about, you come to church and, 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 and you hear the word and you leave saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not getting involved with that. I'm not taking that anymore. But before the sun sets, or before the night is over, you find yourself doing the same thing that you said that you were not going to do. What I want you to understand today is that that issue is not just all about you. Are you listening to me? Some of that is about what people did generations before you and some of these generational curses that are on you. I want you to understand the warfare that you're fighting because sometimes you're fighting just looking at yourself. Yes, you are responsible, but you better understand that there are people before you that made decisions and passed on habits and inclinations to you that you may not even be aware of. In essence, not all of your mess is your mess. Not all of your mess is your mess. Not all of your struggles are your struggles. And we have to understand what we're dealing with. Not only was Fibosheth crippled in Lodabar because of the decisions of the generations before him, he was crippled in Lodabar because of the decision of his grandfather, Saul, the king. When you look at the history of, of, of Saul, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 13, what you see is Saul was a nobody from nowhere, and God selected him as king. He started out, like most of us do, excellent. But before long... Saul became rebellious and started doing his own thing. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, it was, it, was, it was prohibited, it was not allowed for anyone to offer the sacrifice for the people of God but the priests. And Samuel is in a situation, Israel is getting ready to go to war, the Philistines are big and bad and they are in array and the children of Israel begin to get restless. It's a character moment. They begin to get restless, and some folks are leaving. They're getting worried, and Saul is there as king. And rather than calling the people together and say, let's pray, he said, bring me the sacrifice. Bring me the sacrifice. And Saul goes out, and he offers the sacrifice. He was instructed to wait until Samuel came. And I got to tell you, here is just a lesson in obedience and character. Right. Obedience is about standing strong, doing right, even when you're in a difficult spot. A young friend, sometimes it's peer pressure. Sometimes it's peer pressure and you just want to be like the others. You don't want to be different. But obedience is standing strong in the difficult moments. Samuel comes up, he says, Saul, what have you done? 
He says, well, listen, you said you were going to come in seven days. It's seven days now, and, and um, the people are getting restless. I had to force myself to offer the sacrifice. I forced myself. And one of the things that you see with his grandfather is Saul consistently rationalized and justified his sins. Are you with me? Rationalizing and justifying sin leads to some serious issues. And God looked at that, and that was just one example. And God says, Saul, I can't work with you because what you are showing the people is how to disrespect and disobey me. But God gives them a second chance. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, God says, listen, um, the Amalekites, they were, they, they, were, they were wicked and awful to the children of Israel. I want you to go and wipe out everything that the Amalekites have. Everything. Saul went out to do the task. And when it was all over, Saul came back with Agad, the king. You see, when the other nations went out and they conquered the enemy, they brought back the king as a trophy. And so Saul brought back the king, and he allowed the men to bring back the best of the plunder. Here comes Samuel again. Saul, what did you do? Saul said, listen, I did exactly what the Lord said. I did exactly what the Lord said to do. Samuel says, what is this bleeding, bleating that I'm hearing in my ears? What is the, the sound of these, these animals that I'm hearing? Saul said, well, the men, they brought back the best of the animals to offer a sacrifice. Out of that, I just want to take you to this passage because it is so critical. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Here's what Samuel said to him that we, wanted, that we need to hear today. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, starting with verse 22. Again, I'm reading from the clear word. the word Samuel said do you know what makes the Lord happy it's not the sacrifices and offering we bring to him no it's our love and our obedience that pleases him because that shows that we trust him sacrificing animals don't make him happy he says this in 23 rebellion is as much a sin as consulting demons. Arrogance is as evil as worshiping idols. Since you have openly disobeyed the Lord twice, he now rejects you as king. What I'm telling you here is that there are people before us who knew what they were supposed to be doing but refused, they were rebellious. They were rebellious, and out of their rebellion, we are in the spiritual condition that we are in today. 
See, Saul was not only rebellious, but he had a bent and rationalizing his actions. Do you know people like that? Fully aware that they're in open violation, but they can always rationalize why they are doing what they are doing. Now, it's not just the sin. Because David and Saul, when you compare them both, they both were sinners. Saul took a man's, not Saul, but David took a man's wife, got her pregnant, killed a man. I mean, that's wicked. That's wicked, but the thing about David is when you go over to Psalm chapter, Psalms chapter 51, David says, have mercy upon me, O Lord. According to thy loving kindness, David was quick to acknowledge his sin and to call upon the mercies of God. That's the distinction. That's the distinction. Ellen White says this. She says, Saul is one, she says, the history of Israel's first king represents a sad example of the power of early wrong habits. In his youth, Saul did not love and fear God. And that impetuous spirit, not early trained for submission, was ever ready to rebel against divine authority. My young friends, and for all of us, some of these issues, are you with me? Some of these issues begin early, and this is the time. This is the time to begin surrendering to the will of God, even when it's not popular. I'm just re-emphasizing here today that Mephibosheth was a crippled in Lodabar because of decisions of generations of people before him and because of the decision of his grandfather. You see, when you get to the end of Samuel, 1 Samuel, you find Saul dead and his sword. Shameful death. He's dead in his sword because God had rejected him because of his rebellion. But not only is, is Saul dead, Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, is dead. His uncles are dead. And this is why, in this changing of the, of, of the kingdom, this is why his nurse is scrambling to get out of, to get out of the place and to take Mephibosheth to a place of safety. This is why this woman who is his caretaker in trying to move quickly in haste dropped him and how he became a cripple in Lodabar. Now I couldn't run by that because somehow what struck me here today is the fact that the person who was responsible for taking care of Mephibosheth is the individual that dropped him and caused his condition. I think some of us are in a crippled in spiritual Lodabar because some of the people who were supposed to be our caretakers dropped us. Some of our fathers didn't have devotions. Some of our fathers didn't call us to prayer. Some of our fathers were taking us to the ball game when they should have been taking us to church. Some of the people who were responsible for us dropped us. 
The example that we were supposed to be shown was not shown to us, and as a result, we were dropped spiritually. And these habits and these thought patterns and this method of rationalizing our actions, some of us can rationalize every and anything. We can take the wrongest thing and make it right. Because we've been dropped. Now, some of us are responsible for our own dropping, but I just want you to know that we're not all in these challenging situations just because of ourselves. There are examples, and there are people who should have been better, better caretakers and better teachers who did not do what they're supposed to do, and now we've got an uphill journey. Parents, are you all listening to me? I'm speaking to myself. There's some things we didn't do, and you can't go back and change those. But by the grace of God and by the power of God, we ought to at least start riding the ship. Amen? Amen. And making those wrong right. If not, our children will be dropped. Some of us today are reluctant to trust and obey the word of God completely because of what happened to us. Now, Pastor, it's interesting to me that it's a woman who dropped my favorite chef. And why that's interesting to me is that the Bible uses the analogy of a woman to represent the church. And it just makes me wonder if the church haven't dropped some of us. And if some of us are not in the condition that we're in because of what has happened in the church. Things have been said, actions taken, and we feel dropped by the church. And as a result, today we struggle with trusting God and walking straight in his word because we've been dropped. Now, even though you've been dropped, it's not an excuse. You still have a responsibility, but I want you to understand what you're dealing with. Some of us who haven't been in the right churches have been taught all types of things in the church. And we've been dropped. We haven't been taught, thus said the Lord, and so now we come in. It's difficult to deal with some of this stuff. Sometimes it's hard to keep the Sabbath. Church didn't teach us about that before we came into this church. I hope you got, I hope you're getting my point. Are you, are you getting my point? Yes. That there are things that has happened that creates for us a spiritual hurdle. Uh, I want to show you something. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14 to 17. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14 to 17. I told you about 
the generations of Mephibosheth, whose sins impacted him. I told you about his grandfather, but I thank God that there are some people <laughs> who didn't drop us. 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 14, it says here, reading from the clear word version. Jonathan says to his friend David, I know God has called you to rule Israel. So when you take over, if I am still alive, be merciful to me. If I get killed before then, take care of my family as long as they live. I know the Lord will help you defeat every one of your enemies, but don't forget to be kind to my loved ones. <laughs> ah, what I like about this is Jonathan intercedes with the king and made a covenant with David. Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, interceded perhaps even before Mephibosheth was conceived and made a way. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 says that before the foundation of the world, it says that there was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. A covenant had been put in place. John chapter 3 and 14 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. In John chapter 17, Jesus intercedes with his Father on our behalf, and he continues to intercede for us today. Church, the covenant has been made. Christ continues to intercede on our behalf, and most importantly, the ransom has been paid and Calvary to deliver us out of spiritual Lodabar. I want you to follow me again to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. This one is a little bit longer, but I want to read it for you. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, the question is, how did Mephibosheth get out of his dreadful condition? It says, one day David and his staff, David said to his staff, is there anyone from the family of Saul who I can show kindness to for the sake of my friend Jonathan? A former servant of Saul named Ziba told David, yes, 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 there is one called Mephibosheth in Lodabar. <laughs> David said, listen, Ziba, I want you to go get Mephibosheth and bring him to the king. And so there is a knock at the door. The door is open. And Mephibosheth and others, I'm sure, now are shaken in their boots because it was the practice back then that the new king destroyed all of the seed of the former king so there would be no trouble. But there is a knock at the door. And Mephibosheth, perhaps crippled back there, just trying to peep out, here somebody calls his Mephibosheth here. Is Mephibosheth here and he's wondering, he's saying, wow, finally David has found me and he's sent in to kill me. 
but an invitation is issued. It's told to Mephibosheth, the king wants you to come to the palace. And so now all of the royal chariots are there. Mephibosheth is crippled. He's crippled. He's probably on the ground, crawling around. And these royal soldiers take him by the arm. And I imagine that they heist Mephibosheth up and they put him in the velvet-seated chariot. And now he's on his way to the king, wondering what, what is going to behold me? Am I going to my death? What is going to happen? And he gets to David, and David says, fear not. Fear not. Mephibosheth says, here is your servant. Here am I, your servant. David says, fear not. Mephibosheth said, what, what, what do you want with me? I, I, am as much, I'm as, I am as worthless as a dead dog to you. David doesn't listen to that. David says, Mephibosheth, because of my relationship with your father, Jonathan, I'm going to restore everything that belonged to Saul to you. Mephibosheth is like, what? I want to tell you grace and mercy. <laughs> I love those two twins, grace and mercy. I'm going to restore everything that was saw your grandfather, that rebellious, rationalizing, wicked man. I'm going to take everything that was his, and I'm going to give it to you. Not only am I going to give you all of his vineyards and, 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 and chariots and properties, but I'm going to give you his chief servant, Ziba. And all of his sons are going to serve you and your families for the rest of your life. I couldn't help but notice that when blessings come and generational curses begin to be broken, it is not just the individual. It was not just Mephibosheth. In those years, Mephibosheth had a son. So here's Mephibosheth's son who was in isolation, desolation, no hope. And now he's in the palace before the king. And the king says, Mephibosheth, I want to go a step further. Every time I eat, every time I sit down for a meal, I want you to be at the king's table. And I don't know about you, but I can only imagine that the, the king's soldiers would go to the, to the room to get Mephibosheth when it's time to eat and that the table was spread and lovely, perhaps a velvet tablecloth, I don't know. But when he sat at the table with his crippled legs underneath the tablecloth and all that royalty, Mephibosheth sat there looking just like everybody else at the table. At the table, what I want you to know today is no matter what caused you to be crippled in spiritual Lodabar today, no matter how you got there, those rascals who were supposed to take care of you and did not, those folks who did all those things, don't matter. All you have to do is take the steps that Meshivashef took. One, there's the invitation. There's the invitation. The king, 
wants you. The king wants you. The king wants you crippled. A place where there is no word. Listen, I got to imagine that Meshivashef hated the king. I doubt that that nurse told him what really happened. She probably told him, you are crippled here in, 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 in this desolate place because of David the king. Because he took over your father's kingdom or your grandfather's kingdom, and as a result, you're here in this condition. And so I would imagine in my own imagination that every time David's name came up, the hair and the back of Mephibosheth's neck stood up because he couldn't stand to hear about the king. The next thing they probably told him is that if the king ever knew that you were alive and here, you would be in trouble because you would be dead. And now Mephibosheth is at the king's table. How did he get there? This is my invitation to you. He got there by doing a few simple things. I got to tell you, it's complex. It's a complex road to get to spiritual Lodabar. But it gets easy to get out. Are you all with me? Young people, there, 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 there are some things we've done. There are things that you've gotten involved with, some, some habits that you can't break. And I'm not telling you anything that I don't know about. I had a father who showed some examples to me that I wouldn't even take time to articulate for you. But I grew up with some examples. <laughs> I should be a rascal today. I should be a wife-beating rascal. I should be a womanizing, wife-beating rascal. I should be bad, 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 bad. But we serve a God who is able to break. He is able to break. And he's able to redirect. <laughs> and so the king sent an invitation to Mephibosheth. He said, I want you to come. I want you to come to the palace. Mephibosheth had a decision. He could have said, no, I am not going to the palace. But he said yes. He said yes. He responded to the invitation. The next thing he did is he humbled himself before the king. He recognized, I don't deserve this mercy. I don't deserve this grace. But he accepted the grace. He accepted the grace, and I think God has some blessings in store for us. That we are sub-optimizing, meaning that we are not getting all of the blessing that God has for us. You know why? Because we are not accepting the full grace and deliverance that God has for us. So we are not fully optimizing the blessings. We got one foot in the church and one foot out the door. We're doing half of what the Word of God said and the other half of what we want to do. We sub-optimize. We can't get to where God wants us to be. Most importantly, we cannot get to the kingdom half-stepping in and half-stepping out. And I want you to know, Meshivafesh could have never have made it to the kingdom, could have never had made it to the palace without the help of the king. Amen? Amen? God has made a way, a path. All we have to do is respond. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying we have to respond and 
have to be of the mind that all that the Lord says by my grace today, <laughs> I will do. Can't change anything you did yesterday. You just have to have a mindset that says today, everything that I understand about what the Lord says today, I believe we serve a today God. I believe every morning when you get up and say, Lord, I surrender myself to you. Take me. Imbue me with your Holy Spirit and instruct me on what to do. God says, let's forget about yesterday and let's go forward today. You're going to fall and you're going to slip, but you've got to be of a mindset to get up today and go forward. And I got to tell you, you could have 20 children out of wedlock. You could have been a prostitute down on the corner and everybody could know about it. You could be the biggest drug addict. You could have been all of that. But I want you to know when you're sitting at the table <laughs> with your feet underneath the tablecloth, no matter what you've done, the mistakes you've made, God has a way of dressing you up and sitting you at the table and you will sit at the table just like all of the other sons of David, all of the other sons of God. Now, how could you resist? How could you resist an invitation like that? Oh, take me to the king would be my cry every day. Take me to the king would be my cry every day because all that I lost, God will restore. I want to open the door of the church. Elders, are y'all come pray with me? Come on down. Come, let's pray. I think somebody in here, some folks in here want some deliverance today. And I believe deliverance is in the house. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. God restores. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. God restores. All that you've lost, your self-respect. God can restore your self-respect. Your good name, God can restore your good name. Oh, if it is your desire today to respond to the king, I want you to just come on up here to the altar with me. Come on up. Not for show off of fashion, but I think deliverance is in the house. Come on up. I don't care how young or how old or what you've been involved with. If your desire is to respond to the king today, come on up here with me. I got to imagine that you've struggled with the fact that you've come before and gone back to the same old mess. My advice to you is to keep on coming. Keep on coming. He makes my life complete. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, come on. We're going to pray together today. It's so sweet. I'm a living testimony. My God restores. Before Robin continues singing, I really want to I want I want to bring this point home. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. If you or in the condition that I just described. Don't 
have the relationship that you should have. If you're in the condition, you are not studying or reading the Word of God so that your life is influenced and directed by the Word of God, this appeal is for you. I don't want you to be confused. If you are the kind of person that jumps up in the morning, turn on the television, put on the computer, get on your cell phone, this appeal is for you. There are blessings that God has for you that you can never fully experience if you stay where you are today. But you got to move. You got to move. I know some people in here who need to move. God knows some people in here who need to move. I mean, what you're standing up for? The same old mess that you're in? Where's that going to get you? What are you standing up for? That's what Saul's issue was, a rebellious spirit, no matter what. He went back and just did the same thing, kept rationalizing his actions. God today says, I will deliver you, but you got to move. He don't even have a chance if you can't move. I'm not asking you to come play today. I'm just asking you if you want to be delivered, come on down. Deliverance is in the house. Deliverance is in the house. I think it's dangerous to leave a service like this and go back doing the same old thing when you didn't even give God a chance. I don't think that makes any sense. Listen to me. Deliverance is in the house. I'm not telling you what I don't know about. God delivered me from what I'm talking about today. Deliverance is in the house. It's hard, it's hard because we have so many challenges, but God, 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 God can take us. Amen. And God can change us if we were just today respond if we hear his voice. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Pastor, I'm going to give it to you. You have heard the word of God. How many of us have been blessed? You know, this word is a prophetic word. And I don't know about you, but God knows you. And he knows you. There are many, many, many of us, we are hiding out in the house of God. And God, he wants you to respond to his call. The spirit indeed is calling us. And as we have heard the word of God preached today, as we have heard the word of God delivered today, it has been delivered with your name on it, with all our names on it. I'm standing because I'm in the need of prayer. I'm standing because I know that God wants to take me through another experience. He doesn't want us to walk in the ordinary way. He wants a change to occur in your life. Amen. 
And there are individuals that's in this audience that's hiding out in the crowd that we should be up here. In fact, everyone should be up here. God is calling us and he is calling us into a new experience. You may be down and out. You may be just cashed out and you don't know what to do. God is calling you right now into a new experience. He's calling you into a new, into a new walk. And I'm appealing to you. I'm appealing to you. Come to the Lord. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Come. Saul had been rebellious. And he did not even repent. His heart was hardened. As our children's story said this morning. That rock, his, he had a rock hard heart. And it could not be broken. God could not do anything with him. Because he did not surrender. But today the Lord wants to do something with you. Will you not come? Will you not respond to God today? You came to church today. And I know there are a few others that's in here. But if we don't make the appeal, if we don't make the call, how would you come? And so the door is open right now as we prepare to pray. We want to pray for God's anointing. We want to pray for his deliverance up on our lives. That we will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. Elders of the church, I'm asking you to come down. I'm asking you to surround these individuals. Come right down. I want you to form a circle. I want you to, as we pray, we want to pray for God's anointing up on each and every one of them. Now, uh, people... Uh, members, visitors, you know who you are. The Lord is calling you. He is calling you. It's not too late. We want this to be an experience. This is not a show. This is not a show. This is your salvation, our salvation on the line. Praise the Lord, sister. I had my eyes on you. And you came. Praise the Lord. We want God's anointing to be upon his people. And that indeed a change will take place. It's not too late. You may be standing and wondering, listen, am I, I'm too old. Well, you know, people are watching. So what? Heaven is watching. That's what counts. Let's respond to God, not to the people. Respond to God. So feel free to come. We want God's deliverance and his anointing to be upon your life, on all our lives. Father in heaven, once again, we come before your throne. You have called us, Lord, yes, out of darkness into your marvelous light. We have seen, Lord, even the story of Mephibosheth. Lord, he has gone through so much. He was crippled, Lord. He was dropped and he had gone through so much, Lord. But Lord, he was redeemed and the mercy of the king was extended to him. And he responded, Lord. He was invited to the king's table as all of us are invited even now. I pray, Father, for each and every one that came today, Lord. Some have been broken. Some have been dropped. Some has been discouraged. And they have gone through so much, Lord. But here they are, Lord, in your house. 
they have responded and they want to be at your table Lord they want to be at your banqueting table and so Lord we pray father that anything that is standing between them and the blessing that you have for them Lord remove it even now I pray father that whatever curse that was standing against them may it be broken now they have responded to you father deliver them father Oh, Father, in a special way as we all stand. We stand today because we are saying that we want to change. Uh, we want to change in our lives. We don't want to be that father, that deadbeat dad, that mother that is not responding to your will. We want to change, Lord. We want truly your Holy Spirit to change us, Lord, from the inside out. And so, Father, I pray for an anointing upon this church, upon each and every one that is hearing in the broadcast. Lord over the radio I pray father your divine anointing Lord will just surround our families Lord and that we truly will be men and women of honor that we will have families Lord that is together that is binded bounded together in the Holy Spirit thank you so much Lord for all that you have done for your deliverance for your guidance thank you lord for the shift that is taking place in our lives even right now lord there's a seed sown even right now and we pray that as that seed grows lord into that beautiful plant lord that the aroma of god will emanate through our lives bless us anoint us lord we thank you so much we pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Bless us, Lord, and we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God.